I'm glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. You got a question for me? Go to clark.com slash ask, and we got lots of ways to answer your questions. If you want specifically try to get me to answer your question, you'll see a box you can check for that. Coming up later, in the midst of a very strong job market, there's still an average of a million people a year who get laid off many times because their employers failed. What do you do about that? What do you do next? So I want to talk right now about something that is unfortunately a booming business right now, and it's hackers that seize the computers at government offices, at businesses, big and small, and we only hear about it happening when it's a big institution. Uh, There was a uh, county government apparently recently that got hacked, and the rumor is they paid a ransom to the hackers to get their systems back working. It's a tough choice. What do you do once your systems have been seized? A lot of times for small businesses, it never makes the news, but the small business is out of business from a hack. So we got to talk. What, what should you be doing? Because as a small business person, you cannot have your own data department. You can't have your own security department. And the irony is that even these big companies and big governmental agencies will have their big IT departments. They still get hacked. What chance do you think you have as a small business? So instead, you need to take precautions to protect what you've worked so hard to build with your business in the event that you are a target and you get hacked and they try to ransom your data back to you. So what do you do? Number one, you need to have backup of your data every night. Backup of data every night is something that is kind of like a dentist telling you to floss your teeth. You're probably nodding, yeah, I should do that. But you don't, right? And it's cheap. You can, at a minimum, have a hard drive that your data is backed up to every night. But generally, what's considered to be better is to have a backup service like Dropbox or a Google service that's called Google Drive. There are a number of them out there. They're not expensive. And what it does is it means the most you're going to lose if a hacker invades your system will be 24 hours of data because you can say, fine, you can have our system and you start over and you have not disrupted your business in any major way. But if you did get disrupted in a major way, even taking those kind of precautions, what can you do then? That's why so strongly I want you at your business to have cyber insurance. Cyber insurance is not foolproof, but it is really key for a small business where whoever writes any liability coverage for your business or anything like that, you get them to quote you a cyber insurance policy so that if your business is disrupted, is damaged by a hacker or ransomer, that you have insurance to protect what you've worked to build up. Because I'm telling you, you don't take precautions you're at risk that somebody destroys what you've worked night and day 
in many cases seven days a week, to make happen your business. Kristen's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Kristen, what's going on with you? Well, I had a question about opening a Roth IRA because I've heard you talk about different options and one of my coworkers who also listens has mentioned, you know, like a low, like um, $100 one to start versus like $1,000, which I know are other ones that are out there. And I just wanted to know if that particular one at the company is worth starting just to start or should I wait to open one of the ones that, you know, require about $1,000 or so to open. Well, I'd love for you to get started as soon as you can. The sooner you get started, the better. And you mm-hmm. get in the habit of putting the money in yeah. um, month by month and doing automatic deposits to it. So mm-hmm. if you're at a point you can do $100, I think it Schwab that, allows. That's the one that I, that my coworker, yeah, my coworker had told me you mentioned before. Yeah, so... Vanguard, which is the, I think, the second largest financial group in the world at this point, something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, You know, they have done that with ultra low cost. Schwab offers a lot of funds that are very low cost. And then Betterment is another group that I've talked about. Okay. You know, from listening to your show and, you know, my coworkers and parents, and I just want to start somewhere, you know, and like you said, get in the habit of contributing. So. Yeah, because you do it one step at a time. I find that when people say, well, I'm going to get to that, the get to that keeps pushing further and further in the future. Yeah. And if you start with wherever you can, and Kristen, you just keep adding to it bit by bit, Mm -hmm. it's amazing over time how much money you will have. Yeah, and I'm 25. I've heard you speak, you know, on how much growth can happen over, you know, four or five decades. And, you know, like you said, yeah, you got to start somewhere, so... Yeah, I figured I'd ask and see where to start. Well, fantastic. And I think you'll really like the platform on Betterment as a place to get cooking. Okay, great. I will look into that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. 25 and already saving for the future. Zan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How you doing? Doing good, Clark. Appreciate you taking my call. Absolutely. You are interested in building money for your future. Good job baby steps but my question is so i know i use betterment for you know a number of different things but one of the things they offer is kind of more short-term savings and i know there's been a lot of talk about uh you know the market is due for a decline at some point and this and that so i just know what your thoughts were on these uh now i know they tend to be more heavy in bonds with betterment and things like that but what your thoughts were for Maybe if you're saving for a car in three years or engagement rings or, you know, short-term. Wonderful stuff, question. Those kind of things. Okay. So when you're looking at a goal that is seven years or less, it changes the strategy about what you're up to. And when you move under five years, you're no longer an investor for those things. You're only a saver. Okay. Because, because there's too much risk. If you're looking at, um, let's say you mentioned buying a car, let's say in three years. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to buy a car in three years, in a three-year window, you could have a stock market decline of as much as 50%. And that's, that's common, and it's not 
a bad thing. It's how it works is that markets overshoot on the upside, they overshoot on the downside. So in shorter windows, you the markets can be really volatile and some money like that just needs to be like putting into an online savings account. We just keep building up so that you have the money for it. You're not going to earn much. You're going to earn like one and a quarter percent, 1.35 percent, but the money's there and when you need it, you have it on two days notice. Okay. When you start looking out past seven years, then you're absolutely in investment territory. And the difference okay. is if you're looking 20, 30 years down the road and more, you're overwhelmingly in stock type choices. As you get shorter and shorter time periods from seven, let's say, to 20 years, then there's a more conservative portfolio that you want, but it would also have a lot of stocks in it. So when they and then when they start talking to you about the difference between these, like the stocks and bonds, or I mean the bonds, are they just as fluctu- fluctuate as much as stocks or what? Uh... Historically, no. Uh, bonds are historically less volatile. Bonds okay. are significantly historically less volatile than stocks. You know, if you were to go heavily into a bond portfolio for shorter term goals there'd still be downside risk with it oh gosh so there are things people do as an example people will go in what's called a short or an ultra short which is a bond fund that isn't going to earn as much as a normal bond fund but has much less downside risk than a normal bond portfolio okay So so there are ways that people can stay at least invested somewhat and lower the risk, but it's still has a little risk. Okay. So you got to decide. Now, I I am uh, someone willing to take more risk than most people, and I have uh, tax issues. So I do a short municipal bond fund where I take the risk that I could in the short term, lose a little bit of money, not any significant amount, but earn more than I would in any kind of savings account or CD. Stephanie's with us here on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, how are you, Clark? Great, thank you, Stephanie. You get to go to a phenomenal place soon. Yes, I'm really excited. Where are you headed? (laughs) I'm headed to Thailand and Indonesia. I've never been to Indonesia. I've been to Thailand twice in my life, and it's just the most magnificent place. Really? I'm really excited about seeing it. Where are you going to spend more of your time? Most of our time in Thailand is in Bangkok. Okay. But we are going to take an excursion or two outside of it. Now, Bangkok is not like the rest of Thailand. It would be mm-hmm. like going to the United States and only seeing New York and thinking that was the United right. States. So Bangkok is a city that used to be heavily polluted, very dirty, and run down. And Mm -hmm. I was there the first time 25 years ago and then back last year, I guess it was. The change there is extraordinary. Really? Yeah, it really is a marvel to see how much they've done in a little more than one generation. Excellent. But if you go somewhere down to any of the islands in the Andaman Sea, mm-hmm. the pictures that you see that look impossible, 
what you'll see with your own eyes is prettier than any publicity photo you've seen. I believe it. I believe it. Well, I'm really looking forward to my trip uh, and soon. But my question for you, and I thank you for taking my call, because my question is, I've listened to you for many years, and I know that, you know, make sure you use a credit card with no foreign transaction fees. So I've got that all set. I've got a debit card to get cash out when I'm there in both countries um, that has no ATM fees and no foreign transaction fees. But I'd like to get some cash for both countries so that as soon as I hit the ground, I have something. Don't worry about Um, it. When you land, because first you'll land in Bangkok, uh, plenty of ATMs right in the airport terminal. Really? Yeah, you'll be fine. Oh, okay. Just make sure that the provider of your ATM card knows what countries you're going to visit and when, if they have a travel alert you have to do. Yes. And you'll have no problem at all. And the worst nightmare of all... You just take some American money with you, and if you just can't get your ATM card to work, you accept the lousy exchange rate you get at mm-hmm. one of the airport money changers. Oh, okay. So but it's better not to change anything before Absolutely. Do not change ahead of time, because the exchange rates that we get in the United States on any foreign currency are probably the worst in the whole world. Yes, that's what I was noticing, because I was going to do it through my bank, and I compared the rates they were showing with the rates that were on the, you know, the app that shows you current currency rates, and there was a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, we're, we're different than if you think about being in a part of the world where people frequently cross borders. The beauty of the United States is how incredibly large our country is, but it means we don't interact routinely with other countries other countries money and so that's an area we haven't really developed in the united states and that's why you get gouged i see okay so just wait till you land okay sounds great Thanks and so you much. will be very jet lagged just get ready <laughs> yes it takes almost a day to get there <laughs> yeah it's it's a long trip but it'll be wonderful and i gotta get to indonesia haven't been there yet kevin is with us on the clark howard show hello kevin Hi, Clark. How are you today, sir? Great. Thank you, Kevin. You want to avoid getting a virus. What do you worry about, something from the flu? Well, this has to to see what your uh, opinion is on any virus provided by the Internet service providers. Uh, You consider that they provide the same protection as the paid suites. I have an opportunity to download one and replace the one I'm paying $93 a year. And from all indications, it looks very good, but I want to get your opinion on that and see what you think. Yeah, if your internet service provider is offering you a free suite of antivirus software, absolutely fine to use it. But the thing about antivirus software is there's now a number of products that are completely free to use. And in fact, I have a list on my free and cheap guide of free antivirus. But if you are happy with your internet service provider, you're not looking to make a change anytime soon, and they've got free antivirus, just take it and use it. Okay, great. And um, by the way, before you do that, go shop your internet service provider and see if maybe you should be making a change to whoever their competitor is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I did kind of a review about four weeks ago, and I was actually able for the same price, so I'll pay actually for a reduced price, 
I was actually able to uh, bundle my phone and my Internet service, and it dropped $40 off the price, and I actually increased my Internet bandwidth by 30%. So I've, I've been through that. Thank you for that tip. And so what you just did is a perfect example of what other people should be doing, which is you get comfortable with whoever you're with, the bill you're paying, and if you go shop your internet service with, you know, if you're with the phone company, go shop the cable company, with the cable company, go shop the phone company, because right now we pretty much just have this shared monopoly in the country. But there's still uh, some competition where you can go shop one from the other. You did it. It saved you money and good for you. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Earlier, I alluded to the fact that uh, federal stats from the Bureau of Labor Statistics show that roughly a million people each year now in the strongest employment economy we've had in forever are still being laid off. And that's because companies will fail. Uh, they'll close an office, any of a number of reasons why you might face a layoff. The good news in a really bad news scenario, if you are suddenly laid off, is that the market is the strongest it's been for you finding a new job that I can remember in decades. So it's a brutal thing to suddenly find yourself being, uh, I, I love the British expression, being found redundant how did they come up with that when they do layoffs in britain they call it redundancy <laughs> who, who wants to be known as being redundant but anyway the thing is is that when that happens it can be a terrible terrible event in your life or in today's job market it can open up a whole new world to you that you never thought about. I really want you, if you are subject to a layoff or a family member, a spouse, partner is laid off, let them go through the shock and the grieving. And then when it's like, what's next? That's when you really come up with a positive way of looking at it. You yourself, or as you talk to somebody you care about, and that is the opportunities it may be there for you using your interests, your skills, your experience, your education. Maybe you've been doing the same thing for a long, long time and you'd like to do something else. Well, draw on what you already know and have done for that fresh start or if what you really love is what you've been doing and it's what you see as your life's work and it's what you want to do. Know that your years of experience in a really strong job market like we have now, that's really positive for you, finding that next opportunity. You know, we're not going to have this strong job market forever. This is, Things go in cycles, and this is an unusual time with the availability of work. So this is your time if you happen to be an unlucky one in this lucky job era to not jump into something else, but take the time to think through what would really be a step up for you? What would bring some real joy to you is what you do so many hours each and every week. 
PJ is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And PJ, congratulations. You just got married. Thank you. That's exciting, isn't it? It is. Well, how can I be of help? Well, I have a question. I don't know. It's a mix between wills and beneficiaries. My husband and I, um, we don't plan on having any kids together. He has two girls, 14 and 11, and I have a son who's 15. And we are getting ready to change our beneficiaries on both of our policies at our jobs, whether it's our insurances or 401ks. And I have one child, so I just assumed I was just going to do everything 50-50. But then he has two kids, and I'm a little bit unsure as to how or what's the fairest way to designate our beneficiaries on our policies. Wow. Okay, so there is no right answer to that. There's but a right answer? Okay. There is not a right answer, I'm sorry to okay. say. But I'm going to give you scenarios, and I want to congratulate you for being aware that the beneficiary designation in a retirement plan at work, an insurance policy through work, an insurance policy you have just on your own, anything that has beneficiary designations, those matter so much, and they trump whatever you would put in a will. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So if you, let's say in a will, you said, well, I want this to go to him and I want this to go to her and this go to this person on like that. None of that matters if it's something that has within it beneficiary designations that you've made. Those are superior to what you put in the language of a will. Okay. So as to what's fair, gosh, I mean, you no. Know, uh, I think that what he would decide to do on his beneficiary designations and what you would do need to work for both parties. And you could either do everything a third to each or 50% to your child and 50% to be split among his two children. And it's really just a matter of what feels right to both of you. The big thing though is hopefully both of you are going to live a long 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 time yes hopefully so what does feel fair or right to you oh gosh um i don't know i'm i'm split i i'm i'm split um between what feels right to be honest in my because i only have one child i just assumed i was just going to do mine 50 percent, 50 percent between uh, my husband and my child, um, but he has two kids. Right. And I think he's mentioned maybe doing his one-third, one-third, one-third. So you could do something going back to the original establishment in the U.S. Constitution, do a big state, small state compromise. And that would be where you kind of blend those and your child gets 40% and each of the other two kids gets 30% they'd end up with uh, 60% of the money and your child would end up with 40. And that could be a compromise. You were saying 50-50 and he was saying third, third, third. So you'd boost what your child was getting. Or you could do it this way as well. You could do 50-50 and then he does a third, a third, a third. Okay. So in other words, there is no rule book what's the right way to do it. But don't focus so much 
just on how you're going to handle each of your retirement accounts because it's a bigger overall picture. And with blended families with minor children, my favorite thing for the two of you to do is go sit down for an hour of time with a lawyer who specializes in wills, estates, and trusts. Okay. Because there's so many things that the two of you haven't thought about that are issues that could come up over the years that somebody who this is what he or she does for a living, they're going to help you think through those things. Okay. Uh, They're all minor children, right? Yes. All minor children. You said 11, 14, and 15. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. So with all minor children, there are special issues involved. And that's why seeing a lawyer and maybe having him or her prepare wills for each of you would be extra important in a case like this. Okay. So, again, congratulations on your marriage. And this should be a positive thing looking forward to how you're going to uh, make sure each person's kids, your kid and his too, that they're A-OK if something tragic happened to either of you. And that's why you go see a lawyer and get that done. But, again, I'd like you to see one who what he or she does is strictly the area of wills, estates, and trusts. And Michael is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Michael. How you doing, Clark? Great, thank you, Michael. You're changing jobs. I have changed jobs, and I left a 401k at my existing job, and I got a new 401k at this job. But I also have a business I have on the side that I've got a nice little nest egg in the savings account, which doesn't give me any interest, so I want to invest that. So I'm contemplating my old job 401k if I should take it to like a Fidelity account or roll over into the 401k here and just put my business savings into a Fidelity. Okay, so... That makes sense? Yeah, let's talk about a couple of things. Okay. The old employer's 401k, do you happen mm-hmm. to know if it's a low cost, moderate cost, or high cost 401k? It's low cost. If it's low cost, I mean, you have the option of just leaving it there. Okay, but I'm not invest putting any into it. That's so all right. It's, it's, That's all okay. right. You want... With the money that you've worked to save and you've sacrificed current spending to be able to have money down the road, you want Mm -hmm. to have it invested as efficiently as possible. If your new employer has a low-cost 401k, you can move the money from the old employer's 401k to the new one, and that's a strategy, and that way you don't have all these accounts all over the place. That's my fear. I didn't want five different accounts when it comes, you know, something happens to me or retirement age, trying to figure out which I want to take from. Sure. None of them are Roth. None of them are Roth either. So that's another thing I was thinking about if I had a tip for my old 401k, if I should put into a Roth just to get that out of the way. Well, you can't without paying a lot of tax. That was my question when I emailed is if I did that, would I have to pay a lot? Besides paying taxes, what other things do I have to worry about and something like that? That's all you'd have to do. So if you take your 401k from your ex-employer, Mm -hmm. and put it into an IRA, you -hmm. then can reclassify it or whatever they call it, recharacterize it as a Roth, and then you have to pay tax, no uh, penalty, but you pay tax on all that money. So if you're in a position you can afford to pay the tax bill, then that's a great strategy for the long term. How old are you, Michael? 52. 52, no, I wouldn't bother with that. Oh, okay. Wouldn't bother. I, I would not. I would not go through the expense of moving it 
to a Roth. If you just you can leave it at the old company, you can move it to your current employer, you can move it to your own IRA. But what you do with your side business, yes, that's and the other extra picture. income, putting that in a Roth IRA of your own, you yeah, can boost that. that. So that's a real advantage to you. So you have the money you're contributing with your new employer, you have the money from the old employer, and that's all money that'll be taxable when you retire. And then you do this other pile that you do mm-hmm. the 6500 each year in the Roth IRA. Uh, how long are you going to work till you're 60 what? 68, I believe it is the number. Is what That's the goal, but my side business is it's going to be, I'm an architectural designer, so I can sit this and do this till I'm 80 years old, you know, if I'm still saying. Wonderful. So, you also have the option, let's say you save in the 401k at work. You do mm-hmm. the Roth IRA. You are also allowed to do a SEP if you want to put aside even more money. I mean, you got lots of options here. A what? SEP, Simplified Employee Pension. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I've heard of that. And so with the SEP, that's perfect when you have side income where you can put money in it because you're being paid independent contractor on what you're doing architectural design-wise. Yes, yes. Yeah, so and, you know, it, Uncle Sam is going to take a chunk of that right. if I don't put it someplace. Right. So the SEP allows you to reduce taxable income. Is that through my employer or is that through, how do I No, you do that, that on your that? own. Like you can go to oh, Vanguard okay. or you can go to Schwab, you can go to Fidelity, you can go to T. Rowe Price, any of the low-cost companies. Okay. And you can set okay. up a SEP. The paperwork takes about 90 seconds. <laughs> I love that. And so the SEPs, <laughs> you can save an enormous amount of money on a flexible basis, 25%, basically, this is shorthand, but it's 25% of your self-employed income can go into a SEP okay. each year. I like that idea. And it's, okay, so that's my own pension plan then for my company. Exactly. So you can, okay. you can have the money from your old 401k, move to your new 401k, you can keep contributing to it, you can do the Roth, you can do the SEP and reduce your income from your self-employment on the side. I mean, you have endless options to build up money over the next 16 years. That's what's so great. Everything you got going for you is an option because you're doing the hard work, saving the money, living on less than what you make. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Francis joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Francis, I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am. I am. It's a beautiful day. Francis, how may I serve you today? I had a question I wanted to find out some answers to. I wanted to find out about my ancestors, and I wanted to find out the best possible site to look for. So there's a lot of discussion about how accurate people feel 
the various mm-hmm. databases are, but the one that for finding out ancestors that's most uh, respected probably is Ancestry.com. Ancestry? Ancestry.com. And the way they make their money is you pay a subscription for access to different levels of information, and depending on what subscription you get, the more you pay. And you'll find, I found when I did my Ancestry.com, that I had a zillion relatives I'd never heard of and didn't know. And it takes you down to like fourth cousin level. And then I saw people I did know that were in there. But it is part of the whole process of putting together the puzzle of your family background. And you can go beyond just that. And I have done so with a site called 23andMe, where you can find out, uh, based on DNA analysis, where exactly you're from is best they have been able to analyze your DNA. They're able to tell you what makes up your heritage. Um, Ancestry.com does that as well. They, but my numbers for both of those were almost identical in where they said I was from. But 23andMe goes beyond it another step and will analyze your risk level for various illnesses based on your DNA. Okay. And if you want to know, it'll tell you something else. If you have children, it'll tell you what they are at risk from, what illnesses they have heightened risk from for having had you as a mom. My poor kids, I had to tell them what they had risk from because of me. So the information available from these sites is pretty extensive and where 23andMe is more about health ancestry.com is more about your family history okay so the prices for both is about the same no the well it all depends what services you buy from either you actually spit samples into these tubes these test tubes you send them off they're analyzed and you get back a report that tells you a whole bunch of stuff that you never would have thought of and it takes about four to six weeks. There are specials offered on these from time to time. But go to both websites and see what you're interested in. I have one question for you. What are the odds that your family background is mysterious enough that you may be shocked at what you find? Hmm. A lot. Ah, then you are going to love it. If you get into it, you might want to do both like I did. And in my case, it cost me $198 to do the test with both. That may be more money than you want to spend. So just do one of them and see what you can find out about yourself. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.